Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. Our guest today is Anand Verma, founder and CEO at Brilliant Basics, a global digital design and product studio. The self-professed family man, Bollywood fan, amateur cricketer and golfer founded Brilliant Basics in 2012 after more than 20 years' experience across the digital and technology industries, including co-founding design, textile and marketing companies. Design does not just mean a great-looking Apple website, he says. It's much more about solving real-life problems. Under his stewardship, the Brilliant Basics team aimed to disrupt traditional agency models with the focus on customer experience and a willingness to change. As Anand says, I've always considered Brilliant Basics as a product, which means that it's got to iterate every year or two so we're market-ready and market-relevant. We'll talk to Anand in a couple of minutes about this, about working with startups and universities, and about the future of work itself. We've also got brilliant music today from, amongst others, Abdullah Ibrahim, Esperanza Spalding and Stevie Wonder. That's today's Jazz Shapers. Here's Herbie Hancock with Wiggle Wackle. That was Herbie Hancock with Wiggle Waggle. I didn't spot a brilliant break which has been used in all sorts of other places. I hope you did spot it. Uh, Anand Verma is my business shaper, and here he is as one of our first of the 2020 season. He's the CEO and founder of Brilliant Basics, and as I said earlier, a global digital design and product studio. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me here. Tell me what that actually means, because lots of people who aren't in the business will say, well, that sounds fabulous. What is it that Anand actually does when he goes to the office? Which is often what aunties and uncles and parents say. What is it that you do, Anand? So I'm asking, what is it that you do, Anand? Absolutely. And that's the toughest question to kind of explain Brilliant Basics to my mum, right? Who's not very techie, doesn't have a phone. Um, So Brilliant Basics, in a nutshell for a layman, a woman, is a design and innovation company which bring customers and users at the center of any digital products or services that large enterprises are thinking about or a startup is thinking to kind of uh, work on. Um, and what was happening when I started the company, I came from a media and technology background. Uh, I, I saw that the market is infiltrated with technology solutions, but they're forgetting who is the solution for. And there was a need for putting users at the center of gravity in terms of the solution is for them, right? And that was getting missed out from large enterprises in a big way. So what we said was the basics and brilliance need to come together. And the brilliance comes from getting the basics right. And for us, basics are user centricity, getting a product to market rapidly, just like a startup would do, and making sure that the brand promise that brands are making comes out right in the product promise, basically. That's what Brilliant Basics is all about. Hopefully that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Give me an example of some of the work. I've read a bit about some of the big brands, global brands that you work for. Just give me one that you go, that makes the point really clearly. Absolutely. So um, we were very lucky. When I started the company, uh, HSBC was our founding client. So we competed in a pitch process and we won HSBC as our client. 
And HSBC Chief Marketing Officer was a sponsor for this work that we're doing. Uh, one of the big uh, issues with HSBC was, you know, fragmented markets, global bank, and they're not focusing on the user centricity. And the example that I always give is, you are banking with HSBC, they charge you 20 or 30 pounds after you're overdrawn. And you think, oh my God, this bank is actually not helping me. They didn't tell me I was going to overdrawn. So why did they charge me a penalty? So what we did was through application, we got that insight and we said in the mobile application, we'll create a notification two weeks ahead of time and tell them that they are about to be overdrawn. That insight was so valuable for the user so they can do something about it. And that brings the brand and the user closer together. Um, and that example, and then many of those features were created in HSBC mobile banking solution that we did for HSBC in the first two years of working with them. Mm. And now 40 million people use that product globally from paying their bills to paying their school kids fees uh, to what only, have you. Only 40 million? Only 40 million. Really, Anand, I think your, your work's only just begun. Um, let me ask you, you set this business up back in 2012. It That's wasn't, right. It wasn't the first business you set up, but what's interesting about you is it strikes me you're a bit of a serial give-it-a-go guy, give, entrepreneur, but also you've held down really serious corporate jobs. Where does your real passion lie? Because you can obviously play both games. Absolutely. I'm one of five kids. Uh, I'm the youngest, so I'm the black sheep in the family. So it starts the risk-taking starts from that because ah. you know that your four siblings are going to protect you if you go wrong. I was very artistic growing up, but in India, I grew up in India first 19 years of my life. The only way to kind of move generations in India is to do good education and find a better job. That's the only way out in India. But I was the left-field guy in the family, and um, I got an opportunity to kind of move to the UK when I was 19 to do my studies. Uh, so I'm, I've got the Indian values, but I've got the risk-taking ability of an entrepreneur. And I've done that both on the startup side, but also in corporates as well as an intrapreneur, as they're called. So, you know, with regards to where my passion lies, it's always startups. But I've been very lucky last few years, Infosys has allowed me to be an entrepreneur within a large enterprise construct. And let me uh, be a little bit rebellious about a few things, but in a very respectful manner. That's perfect. What a brilliant articulation of exactly where you sit. Number uh, number five, did you say? Yes. The fifth child. There you go. So if you're the fifth child and you're listening, you could do just what Anand Verma <laughs> has done as well. Stay with me for much more from my excellent business shaper today. He's the founder and CEO of Brilliant Basics, and he's with me um, until 10 o'clock. Time for some music right now. It's Abdullah Ibrahim with Soweto. That was Abdullah Ibrahim, and that was really good too. That was called Soweto. This is Business Shapers. It's Jazz FM. I'm Elliot Moss, and my business shaper, more importantly than any of that, is Anand Verma, uh, founder and CEO at Brilliant Basics, a very nice name. Um, we were talking before about where your passion lied, and and um, some people don't answer that question, actually. They just sort of start telling me what they've done, which you, you didn't do, which is fabulous. You do have a degree. I find this, I have all sorts of people that I've interviewed over the almost now um, nine years, people that are highly educated, people that are really street smart, and some are in the middle. It's clear that you have a very high level of education. Computer science and mathematics degree, you got a master's, um, you even went and did some work at INSEAD. In the world that you inhabit, what do you draw on? Because you're in an interesting place where you're constantly going to have to be restless. You're constantly going, well, the answer that was right 18 months ago or even a year ago is not right anymore. What are you drawing on as you find and invent the future? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think this is true for you know me and my team as well. And we say a lot about this kind of sentiment of 
uh, an ability to learn new things constantly because the world is changing so fast that you got you can't just sit still anymore right otherwise you'll become irrelevant so the three things that matters to me in terms of learning first of all learn to learn new things second of second of all learn to unlearn the old things because new rules are being created and the third one is learn to relearn the things that might come in future the reason i say that is 10 years ago the lot of jobs that exist now weren't existing because digital was non-existent iphone was just coming out which means that the world is moving at a pace right now where our ability to learn new things is absolutely paramount in transforming industries and humankind in my belief so in terms of the degrees i think degrees are a way to kind of get from a to b and academia hasn't really changed if i may right so that's why i went to ncr and learned something that helps me with my job at ipg but for me it's constant like reading a lot in the morning sharing a lot we invite a lot of people to speak at our offices our studios as well but it's a constant mindset and attitude to learn is very very important to me and and hopefully my team as well and how do you instill that culture so you know now you're running a business i think there's a 100 plus people in it that's right yeah how do you make them be like anun but but obviously true to themselves and that sense of i love i love what you just said about learning to learn and learning to unlearn and learning to relearn i'm going to write that on a sticky next to my own desk seriously it's, it's it's a very simple way of putting it but how do you ensure they do that and instill that kind of culture right so you know i i think what has happened is uh we because we operate like a startup within a large enterprise we work on number of different kind of projects constantly right so for example we use design and design thinking to understand what is the user context and what is the user problem or customer problem that we're trying to solve and that requires you to go and learn about other industries and do research and all those kind of stuff that's instilled in our process for example mm-hmm. uh we also allow people to kind of go and spend time with academia for example so we have partnerships with king's college and goldsmiths and many others because we under estimate what academia are actually doing but bringing academia and enterprises together allows us to learn from both the worlds of r&d as well as enterprise mm-hmm. uh, realities and this thirdly i think you know giving people this mindset of you know look for 5 hours in a week that's yours and you do what you want to do in the office right but the only challenge is that how do you bring it back into the uh, culture of sharing that learning as well so we try to kind of bring it into our procedures uh, in the business but a bit of freedom and a bit of you know foundation of learning in terms of core values is a big part of instilling that in uh, in our business and art or science if you had to vote both equally equally without those two humanities sciences maths you know arts there's such importance of those two things right now in our industry right now that i would say they're equally as important compared to what they used to be 10 years ago Stay me from much more from my very insightful guest is Anand Verma. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondare with some advice for your business. Hello, I'm Kate Higgins from the corporate department at Mishkondare. One of the key issues facing our business clients is how to achieve the long-term success and prosperity of their business whilst dealing with the day-to-day needs of running the business. One method of achieving this is to have in place a sound system of corporate governance and this is an area where we work closely with our clients. It's a good idea to set it at an early stage and then reassess as the business grows. So what is sound corporate governance? Well, helpfully, there is new guidance in the form of the weights principles for corporate governance and these apply to private companies. 
There are two main areas which the weights principles tackle. The first surrounds the board makeup, but the second area is where I want to focus today. It's about achieving success in business through identifying a strong corporate purpose and setting a values and culture that underpin that purpose. One area that's recognised as being key to this is having strong relations with stakeholders. Businesses these days, particularly large businesses, will need to report in their annual report and accounts on what mechanisms they have in place to engage with their stakeholders. Stakeholders will include the company's employees, suppliers, customers and financiers. Having strong relationships with your stakeholders will help you attract and retain business, investment and talent. So ask yourself, how do I measure up against the new guidelines? Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. There's an abundance of former Jazz Shapers for you to enjoy. And of course, you can hear this programme again by asking Alexa to play Jazz Shapers. And there you can hear many of my recent guests. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, the full archive of over 375 awaits. Anand is looking very excited. But back to him right now. He's the founder and CEO of Brilliant Basics, a digital design and innovation company. I mentioned earlier on, and you've addressed a little bit about where your passion lies. You've built businesses. You've worked in big businesses. One of the common themes in all of those things is team. And we talked briefly then about instilling the values around learning and relearning and so on through processes, which is an interesting way of, of doing it. How have you done it again and again? And what have you learned about when it works versus when it hasn't worked? This is a good one, actually. Um, and one of the hardest things to do is to align people on a vision they, they want to carry on with for 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, and I've learned from my mistakes. I can put my hand up and say, hey, I did it wrong when I was in my 20s. And that process of learning and how to build teams, aligning people to a vision, for example, you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a view in terms of where this, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal of the business is so that people can look forward to that. You might not achieve the vision, but at least there's a direction of travel that you want people to go on. Uh, the second is what mission that you want to operate the business with, right? And that's where I think the core values of the company comes in, right? So every time I've worked with in a company, be it enterprise or startup, I've always set three or four values that we want to be known for, and that helps build the culture, right? And if you can get the culture built with five or six core people, the ripple effect of that to the next layer down, or next layer up, up I should say, is huge, right? So one of our core values is better together, so rather than working individually, having a diverse team from various backgrounds is absolutely imperative to our success because you get new ideas, you get various points of views, and you bring it into the you know, melting pot and you create, start to create some magical outcomes with the, with the people. And the third one is rewarding people you know, in a way they feel valued. Um, that's a big part of our equation. So for example, when the company was sold to Infosys, we kept a large percentage of the uh, sale proceeds for the people who were contributors to the success of the company. So it was not just about Anand Verma and his co-founders. It's about the whole team who are part of that journey. Mm -hmm. So those are the few things that I learned over the years of working in corporates uh, that allowed me to say these two or three things are absolutely imperative for carrying a team forward, which allows us to make a company bigger rather than just be uh, founder-led. 
And in terms of the diversity point, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, first 19 years of your life, you grew up in a completely different world. And, and I mentioned you offline that I lived in India for a couple of years. It is a completely different world for a, a Firangi, a foreigner like me, but obviously it's your home then. That cross-cultural thing and the fact that you've lived in two worlds, essentially, how beneficial has that been and in what ways to you as a person that's gone through life and business? Hugely, I would say. Um, I grew up in a really modest circumstances. You know, my dad would work for Tata Motors at that point. He was an engineer. He'd leave at 6 in the morning, come home 3 p.m. in the afternoon. His focus was to kind of get the best education to the kids. And that sense of middle-class values, you know, being there for each other, not having all the answers, but together, you know, discussing about the issues and challenges was a big part of making me what I've become right now. But having the modesty and humility is a big part of my core values, I would say. Even today, my wife said, hey, you know, you've done this and you've done that. Why aren't you happy, right? And I'm happy, but I've, I feel that today is my day to do better than what I did yesterday. And it's because I feel I'm scared that I'll go back to how I grew up, right? So there's a sense of fear, mm. which is about if I don't do my bit today, then I won't be better than I was yesterday, right? And I think it's it's less about the financial outcome, but it's more about my ability to make an impact for me and my family and my teams. It's a mix of, you know, Western opportunities have given me what I have today, but the Eastern values have given me the grounding of uh, what I've become. Stay with me for more from my business show. It's Anand Verma talking eloquently about Western opportunities and Eastern values. Time for some music right now. It's Esperanza Spalding with I Know You Know. That was Esperanza Sporting, lovely too. It was I Know You Know. Uh, Brilliant Basics CEO and founder Anand Verma is with me. And we've been talking about all sorts of things, about values and about opportunity. In terms of the different businesses you've set up, um, some have done really well, some have not done so well. What is it that has, at that moment in time that you created them, inspired you to create them? Is it simply that, as you mentioned before, your antennae are out, or is it something more strategic than that? Honest, yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Because um, I know you're a strategic guy, but there's also yeah. the arty side to you, which I, I imagine there's some spontaneity there as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you already understood me. Um, I think, you know, I'm constantly looking for new ideas or maybe I see it, look at ideas and say, yeah, I can do this. And sometimes my eyes are bigger than my ability to kind of get them done as well. And I, th- I think it's a bit of a realization I've had over the years is the focus is so important on one or two things rather than going after everything. And as you age, like I have, you start to kind of learn from those things. You're not the only one that's aged, Anand. I just just into a little secret. We're all, <laughs> it's happening. It's really annoying, but it is happening. It's happening. But there are good things that come with this, right? That's right. I'm not Benjamin Button. So um, <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I, I think the ability to focus is big. And what I've realized is that 80% of my time can focus on something like Brilliant Basics and uh, it's been hugely successful. But other 20%, I can help share my learning from Brilliant Basics to other entrepreneurs and founders. And that's what we have done. So since the foundation of our, you know, starting of Brilliant Basics, we have supported 12 startups. One of them is called Headbox, which is now employing more than 70 people in Shoreditch. 
Uh, and they were actually incubated in our studio in Shoreditch as well. So the idea is that, look, you know, I can't start everything, but I can certainly share the learning, the team dynamics, the knowledge mm. to other startups to kind of create this entrepreneurial culture. So I'm kind of doing the best of my entrepreneurial mindset, but also helping other entrepreneurs kind of build their businesses. And let me ask you, when you look at the, these, these entrepreneurs that you kind of back, whether with your time or with your team or money or whatever, is it instinctive as to whether you think they're going to succeed or not? Or if it's not that, what is it? What are you looking for? In the same way that when you look at, and I, I noticed uh, when I was researching for this uh, interview, I noticed that you work with big companies like ATP and Sainsbury's. You're going to see suggestions from the team about the user experience, about the UX. How do you, again, with that instinct, know if it's going to work or not? Because there's only data is data, and that's critical to get to the point sure. about understanding the problem, but solutions are creative. Yes. And how do you, again, know whether it's going to really fly or not? Yeah, spot on. I, th- I think, you know, the, the big thing I look for is who's running that business, right? So Headbox is run by a fantastic kind of entrepreneur. He's committed to it, um, and he's going to give it three or four years of his time to kind of make it a successful, maybe more. And I think the person who's running is absolutely imperative for me to invest in my time, money, or, you know, or my com- company's kind of capabilities. At the same time, you know, I believe that, you know, it needs to be a, an idea that not just solves one problem right now, but it has the vision of solving other problems on the back of it, Right. And the third one, it can it operate in an ecosystem of other startups or other enterprises uh, as well. So those are three things that I normally look for. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the 12 startups, like I said, we have supported, at least eight of them haven't made it. And it's okay, right? Because you learn from that and, you know, kind of pass that knowledge to the next ones. But the four we ha- which have made it are employing more than two, 300 people in the UK, which is a fantastic story as well. Mm. So, But on the eight that didn't, just because often we learn more from what doesn't work than what does, did you kind of secretly, instinctively, again, in the bottom of the pit of your stomach, know there's just something not quite working for me, truthfully now, looking back? Uh, a, a small percentage of eight, yes. But also, I think, you know, uh, timing of those ideas wasn't right. Mm. Uh, it had already been done. Sometimes it feels like repetition of the idea from one country to another. And sometimes it's the person who's running it. They think they're the founder, but actually they don't have the grit or the focus to kind of give it all to make that business successful. But it always comes down to the person who's running it, in my view. Interesting. Stay with me for my final chat with Anand. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Stevie Wonder. That's all come up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was the brilliant Stevie Wonder with As. I'm now talking just for a few more minutes with Alan Verma here on Jazz Shapers, episode two of 2020, and we've been talking about um, a lot of things. You keep coming back to leaders, which I find interesting, and you've, you know, at the end of the day, you said it boils down to that person. I'm talking to the leader of your business, it's you. And since 2012, when you set this up, and then you've taken them through a sale to emphasis, and you've talked about the freedom you have and so on, founders and their skills are different to people who then scale up a business in, in general sense. Some people can do it all. Some people are really good at the first bit. Some people are much better when they inherit. 
Where are you on this spectrum? What would your team say about Anand, the founder, and now Anand, the guy leading this business as it grows? It's a really good one and maybe controversial one, but I'll be honest, right? Um, I think I know what I'm really good at. And I've realized that in the last three years, having sold the company, I'm good at rallying the troops. I'm good at, you know, selling the vision and kind of, you know, being true and a hardworking kind of leader that, uh, that I am. I'm not good at operations and financials and those things. So what I've realized is I need to fill that gap by hiring a leadership team who can keep the business running. That's an important quality to have. So where I have made an impact within Infosys is trying to work with their business folks and their clients to say this is where we're going in terms of our journey. And Brilliant Basics is not just kind of doing Brilliant Basics stuff. It's also trying to kind of transform Infosys as a company to become more agile, nimble, design-led, and all the kind of good stuff that they bought us for. So in terms of a leader, founder, and a CEO, I would say, I've realized that you know, in terms of vision, marketing, strategy, that's where my focus is. And meeting clients. I love meeting clients. Uh, in terms of the operation, financials, and some of the HR and other items, I've created a team whose job is to do that, but they also believe in the vision of, you know, the company. Before, I had to do everything, uh, rightly or wrongly, because there was no, not enough resource. But now I feel that that realization of what I'm good at has allowed me to kind of prosper in the company. And talking of prospering, you had your sale, um, and here you are now growing. How, how does the money work for you? We talked about your modest background. We talked about the fact that you don't want to go back to that, not that not to be negative about your childhood because we all have, we've all had different childhoods, right? And you, we respect our parents immensely for the things they did and the sacrifices they made, as you said. But now that you have this money, what does that make you feel? Is there any sense of, of connection to money beyond its useful to have? I mean, are you looking for the next big bucks? No, I, because, you know, I've lived in one pound a week in university and I've got some more money now. Money is, for me, a means to an end. Of course, you know, lifestyle and going to nice restaurants and enjoying good food and company is, you know, important for me and my family. But money, and luckily, same thing for our kids as well as, you know, our family, my wife included, is for us, it's means to an end. As long as, you know, school fees are paid for and as long as we have a good you know, lifestyle, I, I think, you know, money has hardly any meaning meaning for us. Also, we're thinking about in our business, but also in our personal life, you know, it's about people, community, society. And this decade is going to be so exciting for all of us where it's not just about us and our business and our profit. It's about what do we do for the humankind, the environment and all the other aspects. So I've been thinking a lot about how do you bring people, planet and profit together uh, in our business, but also in my actions, right? In my family's actions. So for me, if money can help us drive better outcome for those kind of stuff, um, I'll be delighted. But it's about, for me, it's a means to an end. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank it's, you for It's been me. a real pleasure. Um, I hope in 10 years, five years maybe, we'll get you back and you can talk about people, planet and profit and we'll see what you've been doing because I think it is, you're right, it's, it's coming to a head it's no longer okay just to say we're going to focus on the money. I'm pretty sure that's finished. Absolutely. Otherwise, Thanks, we're, otherwise we're finished. And just before I let you go, before you rush off back, I can see he's so focused, he's off back to the office. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So the song's choice is a bit of a sentiment attached to this. I was in uh, Montreux Jazz Festival in 2001 and in the background was playing Crimea River. Um, and I love this song and there's so much emotion and so much uh, 
positivity in a, in a way attached to this song. I'm really excited about this one. That was Ella Fitzgerald, Cry Me a River, the song choice of my business shaper today, Anand Verma. He talked about learning to learn, learning to unlearn, and learning to relearn. He talked about the importance of modesty and humility, and that lovely phrase he said, all about, for him, Western opportunity fused with Eastern values. Really great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a super week. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.